Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Verse 20, for you put up with it if one brings you into bondage, this is what we talked about, or if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face, which was a common practice amongst their, the rabbinical teachers and stuff. They would just kind of, hey, what's the matter? You didn't get it? You know, you didn't get it? You, didn't, you know, that kind of a thing. It's kind of the physical Socratic method. So it's the, all of a sudden they bring in this question, you know, it's not the, instead of shaming you verbally, they just give you a knock in the head. He says, you guys, you guys even put up with that. Some guy slaps you in the face because you, you aren't getting it. To our shame, I say that we were weak, too weak for that, that we didn't display this, this overbearing. You see, we sometimes think in our culture what lording over is somebody asked me a question, uh, you know, or, or somebody's actually, because I said, hey, keep me accountable on that, they're actually going to keep me accountable on it. Hey, don't say it if you don't want it. And don't whine about it when someone challenges you. You should, we deserve, we should be challenged from time to time. It's healthy for us. Receive it in the light of the love of God. You see, a father that cares for those around him, a father that really loves them, is going to watch out over and ask questions. I encourage my sons, hey, don't make hasty decisions about acquisitions or, or anything you do. Don't make hasty decisions. Think on it. I've found as the years go by, man, if I can sleep on something, it really helps me out. Because, man, you can wake up. I've walked out and looked at property and did all kinds of things. Man, this is a great deal. I really want to make a deal. I want to make an offer on this and this kind of thing because I can do this and this and this with that property. And so I got all these plans in my mind. This is just my business side of my head. And I go and I look at this and I make these arrangements and stuff. And then I, I go, I wake up the next day and I, what in the world was I thinking? I go out there and walk around the same, and I see it in a completely different light. It's good to rest on things when you can. Satan tries to get us, you know, lickety split, you gotta make, you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, man, we can all be balled up with all kinds of things. Take a minute, think about it, work through it, look at it a little bit. Man, it makes a big difference. He says, these people, man, they're pushing you into this, you get caught up in that. He says, were we, I got, you know, I guess we should apologize that we were too weak that we didn't treat you and take advantage of you and rip you off for things. We're too weak for that. Man, it's just horrible, isn't it? But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. And he says, you know, they say that they're really of a Jewish descent. And he says, they, they really can bring you into that, that right place because they have the pedigree for that. Listen to Paul's response. I love this. This is why we know that it was likely Judaizers. Check this out. Read on with me. Verse 22. Are they Hebrews? Paul says, so am I. He goes, just, let's just look at this from a, a real perspective. You got to understand, Paul is an attorney. Seriously. And so he just said, hey, let, let's look, let's compare notes on this. Let's, let's look at this realistically. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they of the seed? 
of Abraham, so am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. Are they, are they servants of the living God? Are they really? Really, are they servants of the living God? He says, I speak as a fool. He goes, gosh, you guys, I've just got to say this. Because he wants to compare so that they can see, is this really what, are they really what they say they are? He says, in labors, I am more, even more so. In labors, more abundant. You know, think about this particular church. Didn't he go there and didn't he work the whole time? Isn't that what we remember when we went through Acts? Didn't we find out that he was making tents and just working with his own hands, providing for himself? When he was there, and then other churches, you know, the ones from Macedonia and some of the others, were sending resources to kind of help supply that. He says, in labor is more abundant. He says, no, I didn't come and tell you, hey, well, I need this, so, so give me that. And, you know, you, but I remember watching one time, I can't remember which person, I probably could if I tried, but it's better if I don't remember publicly. But I do remember flicking through the channels one night, late night. This is many years ago. And I was flicking through, and I landed on this one uh, televangelist. And all of a sudden, he had this, you know, fake horse track thing, like, going around, you know. And I was like, what in the world is this, you know. And he said, you know what, if X number of people and don't give X number of dollars, thousands of dollars, there will be no message tonight, you know. He fires up another hit off his cigar and keeps going on, you know. I'm like, what in the world? Very intelligent, knew the scriptures, but completely missed the boat. I can't get it. It was just, it was bizarre. I don't even know what anybody's thinking. I wouldn't even do that if I was in the world. It's so weird, you know, to be honest with you. And yet the body of Christ, oh yeah, gosh, we got to send them our money. You know, I mean, gee whiz, you know. We, and, then they, and then they got him and his wife out on their, their ranch out in the mountains. It was just bizarre. I mean, can't you see what they're trying to do? I commend you that you sit in uncomfortable seats week after week, but the gospel's being proclaimed through a radio station that you guys invested in. I commend you for that. I think that's awesome. That's praiseworthy to God. God's pleased. Your bottoms will be fine. You'll be okay. I know it's bad. I know the smaller your back hurts. I know. But it's not all about that, is it? It's not all about that. It's about, man, we've got some information that can change lives. The power of the gospel. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. We're going to wrap this part up. So in stripes, he says, above measure. Stripes were, you know, like a, a good whipping or a, a caning, you know, just getting beat. In prisons more frequently, in deaths often. He says, people I travel with die for the sake of the gospel. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That's 39 lashings. Most people die in one session of that. Most people die because it's just, it's just hard, very painful and hard to endure. 39 lashes, five different times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Do you remember how he got, they stoned him and they, they left him for dead? Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. Think of this. This was written prior to Acts chapter 20. Just tuck that away. He suffered more after this was written even. More shipwrecks, more issues. But just to this point, these things transpired. And that, that's radical. In journeys often, in perils 
of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. This word perils, great little word. Intense fear expecting death. Intense fear expecting death is imminent, basically. That that's, just, that's going to be the end result of the situation. Think about how alarming a near-death experience can be for, for any of us. And I'm not underestimating any of that. I, it is powerful. It's, it's overwhelming. But he's saying, man, this just went on all the time. It's the way of my life, he says. So are they ministers of Christ, servants of the living God? I speak as a fool. I am more. In weariness, verse 27, in toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides all the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for the church. Yep, all of this true suffering was real. You know, all he wants, all he wants is for them to do well in the Lord. As a shepherd, as a fatherly person in their lives, he says, basically, all of this, I just wanted them to do well. That's all he's saying out of all this. He didn't bring them into some weird bondage because he wants them to know the power of a personal relationship with the Lord. Who is weak? And I am not weak, who is made to stumble, and and I do not burn with indignation. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmities. And we'll talk about that in our next study. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor, under Artis, the king, guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison, desiring to arrest me, I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. God's protection and God's care for Paul, even in the midst of everything that went on. And sure, he's, he was upset, you know, when he looks at some of these things for, for them, that they would be being drawn away. He's just saying, hey, look, at these are the real marks of ministry. This is the real deal. And he says, I didn't take advantage of you. I didn't take anything from you. I only came to bless you and to give to you the good things from the Lord. That's his heart. You know, when you look at some of this, and we've talked about it before, what is that driving force? And we're going to talk about a few different things. I'd encourage you to note these down and think about them because I think they can affect you and they can affect me. What's this driving force within Paul's life? What's really going on that's making him tick like this? That would, I mean, one of these little events, and we would just go, well, gosh, that's enough, you know? We'd cry uncle and just be done. You know, that's enough. I don't, hardship, are you kidding me? I don't want to deal with that. You know, anything like this. We just get so freaked out over it. But what's this driving force? What, what pressed him to keep doing this life and this lifestyle? Because as I said, if you read on in Acts 20, you know, there was more that kept going on in his life. The first thing that we might want to note 
is that Paul had a conversion experience that led him to acknowledge the reality of eternity. We live a little bit distant, don't we? Brothers and sisters, we live just a little bit distant in our time in which we live. We live a little bit away from the closeness to the eternal line. You see, if someone fell sick in, a, in their culture, th- there was no hospital to take them to. The family cared for them. They either got better or they died. It was reality. That happened with their kids and with the, everybody in between that and older people. It didn't matter. That was their reality. We're, we get a little bit distant from that, don't we? We get a little bit further away because they're kind of put away from us. Because, you know, that's something that's tough to deal with, and we kind of push that away. But in their culture, in their time, that was very real. And that reality of an eternal life or an eternal separation from God, one living with God, or so it's heaven and hell. The reality of those exist. Paul really develops this quite a bit in our next study in chapter 12, and we won't get into that very far because I just want to touch on it. But one thing guaranteed is every one of us, though we may not have a debilitating disease today, we may not, but we are all terminal, every one of us. That's the guarantee, isn't it? Now, I don't want to get into some big morbid discussion, but the reality of eternity, the reality that your life will expire here on this earth at some point, it is, that is a guarantee, right? We're sure of that. We know that. Well, the knowledge of that just pushed and pushed and pushed Paul on because he knew what could spare people from eternal separation from God. He knew what would spare them. He knew that if they came to know Jesus Christ like he came to know Jesus Christ, that they could be forgiven of their sins, that everlasting life could be theirs. What a powerful thought. The next thing we notice is Paul understood or had grasped an understanding of the power of the gospel itself. Romans chapter 1. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed, Paul said, of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. It is the power of God unto salvation. This idea there, the power of God unto salvation, is the fullness of God's power and blessing to complete a person's life and would bring guidance and help in any situation. That's what that, that, that means. It's not just, okay, great, you got everlasting life. No, it's a life of salvation. God's changing us and transforming our lives. This is a radical, powerful truth. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God. The power of God. That Who is out of the reach of God's touch. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come, Paul says, with the excellence of speech or 
of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The power that there is in the word of God, the power that there is in the information that you possess as a believer in Jesus Christ. That same powerful truth that changed you, that translated you, took you out of darkness and brought you into his marvelous life can do the same for others around. Paul was absolutely consumed with these truths. The reality of eternity, that there really is a heaven and a hell. This is getting whitewashed today. It's getting gray. It's getting just mixed into this mixed matter thing of, well, you know, we're not really sure. No, I'm sure. There's heaven and there's hell. The Bible teaches it very clearly. So if you don't believe that, then you're saying God's a liar. I'm not going to call God a liar. I think God knows exactly what he says when he says that there's a literal heaven and a literal hell. That reality and looking at people and seeing that, man, that there's an eternal destiny for all of humanity. One to everlasting life, one to eternal separation and suffering. But the power is in the gospel itself. This last thing that we'll mention here is Paul knew something personally. Paul knew something personally of God's grace and his mercy. He personally understood, not at a distant concept, not from a textbook understanding, but he personally knew that he knew that he knew who Jesus Christ was and what God had done for him and the forgiveness of his sins and that grace and mercy that was bestowed upon him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ compels or constrains us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. For the love of Christ compels us or constrains us Paul knew personally that love. That love was the driving force within him. That he knew that God had forgiven him and there wasn't anything that was too much for him to do in acknowledging that truth of what God had done for him. That he had been a recipient of that grace and he knew how far gone he was in the sense of he was persecuting and even killing Christians. And he knew how far gone he was, and yet God reached out, made himself known to him, and loves him. And he knew that, man, there was no one. He called himself the chief of all sinners. He understood his condition, and he knew that it wasn't just the storyline of his life, which is wonderful, but it was the truth of a conversion, that he knew that he knew that he knew that God loved other people also, and that God wanted to make himself known to them. These components were those things that really were a driving force within his life. I guess the challenge is for us is when we look around today, we look around at a gathering. I, I really think this is a good challenge for us. This week, when you sit in a restaurant when you're at a ball game, maybe, with some of your kids, 
When you're at a social function of any sort, whatever it might be in a group of people walking around a crowded grocery store, when you're sitting on the interstate stuck in traffic, or when you're stuck at the, not quite getting on the on-ramp, but you're watching all the cars go by on the interstate. Sometimes I watch that on 69 Highway because, man, there's a lot of people coming from all over the place just driving. Sometimes I'm at 135th here, heading to the office, and I'm just watching all the cars just go by. I think, man, that's a lot of people going somewhere. It's a lot of people. Every one of them has an eternal, every, every one of them has an eternal destiny. Every one of them. Every one of them. Every one that we make eye contact with in the grocery store, every one of them has an eternal destiny. Man, when I start looking at it from that perspective, when I take just a moment to just settle down a little bit and just think, wow, I haven't even gotten into your family yet. I haven't even gotten to those that might be very intimate and close with you. What causes us to not get engaged with others? I dare say oftentimes, I think for a lot of us, it's just we're pretty busy. We're busy. And that's going to take a little bit of a couple minutes. It's going to take a little bit of time. And I'm not saying you should be late for work for this or anything like that. It's not my intent at all. I'm just asking that maybe if we could look out like Paul looked at, seeing the eternal perspective of those around us, what would we say? What would we be willing to do to point them to the power of the gospel, the good news that we know about, the saving, and think of how God has loved us. Dare I say, many that we come in contact are certainly not out of the reach of God's love. You and I get to be the ones that get to distribute that. We get to hand that out verbally by our actions, by our interaction with people. Man, let's be servants of God, being willing to reach out, sometimes even say the hard things, because we love people, because we love them. Because forever is a long time, isn't it? So, regardless of any other theological vantage point, because we go down all kinds of different avenues and debates about it, that's one thing, certainly, don't you think we could all agree on? We've got a dying world around us that needs the Lord. This is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening again today, and we're just so thankful for those of you who tune in and, and uh, are getting something out of these messages from God's Word. And sometimes God really begins to tug on our hearts, and He kind of calls us out for a response. And sometimes we want to go and work at something and, and kind of earn our way into things. But, you know, with God, it's just not that way. His Word says, for by grace, that's unmerited love and favor that's been shown to you. That's what that word grace means. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God wants you to walk in those good works that he's prepared for your life. He wants you to be a living testament of his goodness and his grace. And he doesn't want you to have to work at or earn salvation, but salvation is a free gift. It's by faith that you can have this everlasting life. Simple prayer of faith. Jesus, I want to ask that you would come into my heart, that you would forgive me of all my sin. I want this free gift of everlasting life. I want to be forgiven. I'm tired of carrying this weight of sin and shame. And I want to ask, Lord, that you would come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for that grace that you've shown me. I receive you now into my heart and ask, Lord, that as I walk this life, that you would walk with me and that I would walk in your ways and in the good works, those things that you prepared for me to walk in, that it might glorify you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.